How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Fly, the W670 podcast. This is season number two. It's episode number 23, and it's let the 2023 Cubs season begin, Crawley. And in this segment, you're talking to former Brewers pitcher, current host, and the pregame, postgame analyst on Brewers Live, host of Brewers Unfiltered podcast. This is Crawley with Tim Dillard. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I have former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, the current host of the pre and postgame show on Brewers Live, and host of the Brewers Unfiltered podcast, Tim Dillard. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm good. Th- this is a Cubs podcast? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> That's the only way I could get you to come on, right? Oh, unbelievable. I just yeah, thought, yeah, that. I didn't know. Fly the W? I, d- I just thought that was like a, I don't know. I didn't know what that was. I was I was going to offer you some, uh, you know, some spotted cow and some cheese curds to come on, but I figured if I just didn't mention the name of the show, we would be all good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, now... If we take a look here, Tim, you know, I was looking last at the numbers and the Cubs and Brewers played 19 times last season. And I was surprised that the Cubs actually took the series uh, 10 games to nine last year. Um, you know, they, they, they obviously struggled after the big sell off in 2021 where they were only four and 15 against Milwaukee. So, you know, this has been, a, I think, a fun rivalry for the flat, you know, for the past few years. It's been pretty enjoyable. Yeah, you. I mean, really, you want every game in the big leagues or always anywhere to be evenly matched. That's what you want. Ideally, you want every team that you know every game matters. Every game's close. Um, so yeah, for the last few years, it has been that way. You know, even in years where maybe you know the Brewers or Cubs are not as good, it's still a fun game, right? Like just even even if you're not from Chicago or not from Milwaukee, even a player on the team that's from anywhere else, they get it. They understand the rivalry that's there. And either way, it's just good baseball. That's why you're supposed to have rivalries. Right. And last year, you guys had a really good season, 86 and 76. You finished second, but you finished out of the wild card. I think one of the things that really shocked those of us not, you know, tuned in, plugged into the Brewers was the trade of Josh Hader. How surprised were you when that happened? And what effect did you think that had on the team last season? Uh, Well, I mean, Josh Hader, probably the best reliever in all of baseball. You know, especially with Edwin Diaz going down. I mean, it's almost like, well, this year it's going to be Josh Hader going into this whole thing. Um, but that's the presence that he brings. You know, he was a leader in that bullpen. And I think the Brewers management even came out and said that it, they didn't realize how big of an impact that was going to be. But see, you got to realize, too, that the Brewers don't have just oodles and gobs of money. They're not the Mets. You know, they can't just start getting every player and keeping them for 10 years. Um, and I think the thought process was, let's get as much – form now as we can because 
if they waited till this year to get rid of Josh Hader or you know to trade him or whatever, some teams may be like, you know what, we're not going to give you that much, and then you're stuck and you got to pay a guy, you know, eighteen million or whatever he's got to get paid. So then, I, I think. I don't know. I mean, who's to say what's right or wrong? We don't know all the ins and outs, you know, at the, at the you know, the guys that get paid all the money uh, at the top levels, they, they're the ones that know the ins and outs and they thought this was the best course of action. But I, I think everyone knows it did affect the team. It affected that clubhouse, but the reason they did it is because they had Devin Williams. Devin Williams is fantastic. Um, he's just, I mean, if you're going to get rid of an elite closer, you have an elite closer right behind him. Right. And, and, you know, obviously you're, you're in Arizona, you're watching, keeping tabs of what the Brewers are doing out in the desert. Sure. Uh, Devin Williams, though, was in the world baseball classic for team USA. And, and, and he looked really, really good out there. Did he, did you have a chance to talk to him about his experience in the WBC? I didn't. I'm sure there's, you know, a gazillion articles and, and all that stuff. I don't really get too much in the weeds of it. When I see the guys, I just, you know, hang, you know, just talk to him a little bit. Um, he's just a good guy. And, for him to be able to have the tutelage under Josh Hader has just brought him to another level. And so being in those high leverage situations, it's not a surprise. He goes in the world baseball classic and some really big moments. And he's probably got the slowest heart rate in the entire building, which is what you want. So what you want out of a closer, especially one that young. Yeah, absolutely. So I was looking at the, at, at the guys, the additions and subtractions that you guys have had and, and, you know, when you think about some of the guys that you lost, Brad Boxberger comes to the Cubs, which we're excited about, you know, having a, you know, vet, we have a really young bullpen. So having a, a veteran like Boxberger and we've seen what he's done over there, but you know, Colton Wong is gone. Lorenzo Kane and Andrew McCutcheon. Those are just two great guys. Also two Cub killers, obviously near the end of the career, but uh, Hunter Renfro is, is another guy that's gone, but uh, you know, you've added some players too. Jesse Winker's a notorious Cubs killer from when he was with Cincinnati mm-hmm. And Wade Miley, he was with the Cubs last year, but he just could not stay healthy. But, you know, from what you've seen in spring training, how, how much how excited are you about this club so far going into it? I mean, very excited. I just last year, um, it's almost like the team was built around. Let's see how many home runs we can hit. I think this year you're going to see a lot more speed come from the Brewers, a lot more. I don't want to say situational hitting because that sounds dated. Um, but there's going to be more base hits, you know, with the shift being banned. I think that's going to help people like Christian Yelich, Rowdy Telez. So I think there's going to be a lot more action, which means exciting ball games. And the Brewers are used to playing so many close games, um, but I, but scoring more runs is going to help them probably more than a team like the Yankees that don't play as many one run games. You know, so I, I think that's going to play a huge factor. I will say on that list that you popped up there on the screen, which is really cool. I don't even know how you did that. <laughs> But down at the bottom, Hunter Pen- or uh, Hunter Renfro and Jace Peterson, to me, th- those are big. Uh, Jace Peterson was the ultimate utility man, but he was above average in every aspect of the game. And of course, Hunter Renfro, they just couldn't afford him. But that guy rakes, you know, and also uh, has a cannon in the outfield. So I don't know. Th- those were the big ones that you're kind of like they couldn't keep these guys, but they also have Mike Brasso, who's had one of the best springs of anybody in the Cactus League. Um, and then you also can put Brian Anderson in right field, which he may be the opening day guy, the one that uh, I played against him when he was in the minor leagues for the Marlins. He's a good player. He's got a great arm. So, I mean, they've, did, they've done a very good job filling in for the roles that they lost, which in years past, it's, it's you know, what are they really looking for? They're looking for power, you know. Um, but I think the Brewers this year are looking at it. You know what? We can score runs. You don't want a full lineup of guys just trying to hit the long ball. You want a very balanced dynamic, and that's what they have this year. 
Well, I got to tell you, the one thing that interests Cub fans is, 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 you know, when we talk about the rivalry between the Cubs and the Brewers, probably the guy that really, really stoked that rivalry the last few years was Wilson Contreras. <laughs> Wilson is now with the Cardinals, but you guys traded and got his brother, William Contreras. So you're going to face Wilson still, even though he's now with the Cubs. He's with the Cardinals. You guys are going to see him plenty. And obviously, you know, if you're looking at what all the uh, prognosticators say, it's going to be Cardinals one, Brewers two, battling like it was last year. You know, do, do you feel like that 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 intent that dislike that Brewers fans and it, it seemed like the players in a way had towards Wilson? Do you think that keeps going with Will with his brother William on the team? Uh, I mean, even though they're brothers and they play the same position and they're both right-handed and they're not the same player. You know, I, I think that'd be unfair for William to, you know, start holding angst <laughs> toward him or uh, anything like that. I, I walked by him in the hallway today, right before the game and just seeing the way he interacts with everybody, seeing the way he interacts with the clubhouse guys and going about his business. Um, I don't know. He's just got a good personality, has a good outlook on the game. And uh, what's interesting is I just left the field and I don't, I haven't checked the score lately, but he did hit two three-run homers, I believe, and both of them were to opposite field. So when you start looking at clutch, is this guy clutch? What can he do? Uh, he, he's an impact guy. Because what wins ball games, right? Pitching, defense, and three-run homers. <laughs> so for a guy in those big moments to have those big, uh, big at-bats, that could be a preview of things to come this season. Yeah, and, and we always knew that, you know, with Wilson, you know, he was more of an offensive catcher, but he struggled with framing, whereas William always seemed to be a little bit better in that department. Have you seen him handle the pitching staff, and how has that looked so far? It looks good. I, I think one of the – for whatever reason, one of the um, storylines is, you know, he, he doesn't have, he's not that good behind the dish or something like that, which I, I don't know where that came from. He looks, he looks good, and he's caught a wider range of pitchers lefties guys throwing um you know 95 all the way to to righties throwing 95 mile an hour cutters or 98 mile an hour sinkers and he's held his own so i think he's a very um skilled above average catcher but what the brewers are are notorious for taking any catcher and making them better behind the dish so i think that's going to be something that we see throughout the year he's he's just going to keep getting better so the brewers did a good job uh going out there and not only finding a, a bat at the catching position, but finding a guy that's not only good behind the dish, but going to continuously get better. Now, one, one storyline that we were kind of looking at this year that we, we thought, you know, a lot of Cub fans thought was interesting was it, it seemed like, you know, that, that, that arbitration case with Corbin Burns. Now, I, I mean, I know, you know, when you talk about, you know, uh, small market teams versus large, you know, nobody has Steve Cohen money, but it seemed to me, and, and, and as a former player, you could probably speak to this, you know, why would you over such a small dollar amount, why would you get into it with a guy that, you know, is really someone that you could potentially think about wanting to sign and, and keep as an ace? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I, I, I've had a lot of guys that um, maybe not a lot that have gone through arbitration, uh, but have gotten, you know, deep into the process. I do know several guys that actually have have gone through it and won and some that have lost. And it is just a, it's just a bad process. I don't know who came up with the idea that, Hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to get a guy that we love and, and then we're just going to bash him while he bashes us. And we're going to do it in front of somebody that's unbiased. And then we'll just see where it lands. And then we're all going to kiss and make up afterwards. <laughs> like, right. It's just not going to work. You know, it's just a terrible, terrible process. Um, 
So I get it. I get it if Burns was upset because I think the Brewers, it didn't matter who you are. You know, it didn't matter. Yes, it's Burns and he's obviously, you know, high profile and Cy Young and opening day starter, but it didn't matter who it is. Anybody that goes to that process is not going to feel the same coming out of it. And until they fix the process, this is what you're going to see, you know, whether you're that that top guy that's elite all star or down to the guy that's just, you know, at the bottom of the of the barrel. But as long as that process sticks, you're you're going to see headlines like that. Now, now, the one guy that surprised me kind of hearing his story for you guys is, is Keston Hira and, and kind of has there been any resolution to that? Is he, is he going to the minors? Is, are they looking for a trade for him? What, what's the situation with Keston right now? Yeah. Well, I just heard today from uh, Brewers beat writer, Adam McAlvey. So they informed Keston that he's not going to make the team. And I think they've tried to work out trades uh, in that regard, but at the same time he goes through waivers um, and then he can elect free agency or they can still trade him or he can accept um, a spot in AAA, and apparently this takes like 10 days, and we're mm -hmm. only in day like one or two of it. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, but I think, you know, Keston made such a big splash in 2019. I mean, who, who goes to the big leagues in their first season? They're batting 300, almost 20 home runs. Um, almost 60 RBIs, like that is a big splash. And then say, okay, we'll do that again. And then do that again. And then do that again. And he got so many chances, but couldn't put it together. Uh, but the guy's a big leaguer. When he is finally um, unlocked, I don't know if it's going to be with the Brewers or whatever team, but when finally somebody can unlock him, uh, he is going to just be a force to reckon with. And will he be in the big leagues again? Yes, absolutely. He will. Who, what team? I have no idea. I remember watching him and he, he was like you said, it's 2019. And I was at the, I was at Miller park at the time. I, you guys still call it Miller park to most people call it Miller. And well, I mean, if you want to put money in the swear jar, then I guess, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're all the fans, they call it. Uh, yeah. But when we're on air, it's, it's American family field. So, oh yeah. Yes. They pay the bills. Right. So <laughs> when, when I was sitting there, I was, I, God, I can't remember what the game was. It was a very infamous for Cubs because they took a, it was like a there. Someone took a video of it was Jed and Theo in a box somewhere in Milwaukee with their hands like this, and Keston Hira made a come from behind home run that. And I'm in I'm in a I'm I'm at the game and I'm just crushing. I'm like this guy is just unbelievable. And like you said, maybe a change of scenery, something like that'll change it for him. I don't know, but surprising. You know what I mean? Well, I, it's it's just a very interesting case, and I think the Brewers know this. They're like they want to keep him because they know. And and listen, it baseball is hard. And when pitchers figure out how to pitch you, it gets even harder, you know, for hitters. I was a pitcher, and if I made the same mistake to the same hitter back-to-back -back at bats, that's on me, you know, because you can know a lot from a hitter. 
So I think he got figured out in a way and he's tried to make adjustments, but I think the Brewers know that when he does make the right adjustment and everything clicks, um, that he's going to be a valuable asset. I, I don't know if making this move at the end of spring is going to help Keston. Uh, I think he's, I think maybe his contracts for like $2 million or something like that. If he's in the big leagues. So I don't know if that's going to, you know, play against him at all. Cause at the end of spring, right? Everybody's filled. Everybody has 30 guys that could make the team and they have to start, you know, whittling it down. So it's happened to me before, you know, you get sent down in big league camp and, or you get outrighted or whatever it is you got, taken off the roster and then suddenly you're like well no one's calling it's like because everybody has everyone right now you know there's nobody really looking so um that's, that kind of puts Kess in a tough situation but i think at the same time maybe the brewer's idea is hey maybe we have a chance to keep him in triple a um and if he figures it out then boom he's right back up there yeah we'll see i, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm guessing some teams are going to want to take a flyer on him uh, as you talked about, we know the opening day starters for sure. It's going to be Marcus Stroman versus Corbin Burns. This is the first time that Stroman's starting for the Cubs in opening day. Um, I remember Corbin started last year for the Brewers, and surprisingly, the Cubs did well in that first start. But then after that, Corbin Corbin Burns became Corbin Burns, and sure. unbelievable. But would you say that uh, – how do you guys think you're lining up as far as rotation? I think it's good. You got Corbin Burns. You got uh, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Um Eric Lauer, Wade Miley, and in the wings, uh, injured right now, not sure his status, but Adrian Hauser, which Adrian Hauser is, for me, if, you know, bullpen or uh, as a starter, with the shift being banned, I think it's going to really play well for him. He's a ground ball guy that could be a lot of double plays. Um, you got Aaron Ashby's on the shelf, but he could be, you know, coming back in the next month or two. So there is depth there. Um, but I would say, number one, we know, you know, a lot of expectations for Burns and Woodruff, but Freddie Peralta has been the talk of camp from day one. Anytime a player is asked, Hey, who, who do you, who have you seen that's really stuck out this year? And the answer for everybody has been Freddie Peralta, whatever he's doing in his bullpens um, or what, what they see behind the scenes, he is doing something special. And that's what I've learned. I've learned if you're going to, if you want to know what's going on, but you know, with a player, ask the teammates. And so they know something, there's a buzz there. So really look for Freddie Peralta to have a really a bounce back season. Now. So it would probably, would you say then, so Burns and Stroman on Thursday, would you say Woodruff would start for you guys on Saturday for the second game? I guess you say us like, like I got the lineup card, the blank <laughs> lineup card in front of me. Here, let me see. Uh, I know this guy uh, here, this guy. Yeah. We've kind of, um, we've kind of yeah, got I think some it's shaping. I think it's shaping up that way. Yeah. 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 And, and and so that would be then Woodruff versus we're, we're thinking Justin Steele, a yeah. le young lefty who's who had a really, really good season last year. So yeah, I've been watching him that. a lot on the TV and kind of, you know, hearing the commentators talk about the adjustments he's made and and what Rossi thinks of him. And um, man, he was he's just good. He's like the typical lefty that's just hard to hit, just hard to hit. Like you can't just classify him as, oh, he's. He's this lefty that – no, he attacks you. He knows what he's doing. And Brewers have had notorious uh, problems with left-handed starters. So um, hopefully with some of the new pieces that have been added, the Brewers can counteract that because uh, Justin Steele, he's legit. Right. And then – so it'll probably then look like Freddie Peralta, like you said, having a great spring. Yep. And then the Cubs acquired Jamison Tyone from the Yankees, um, you know, or off free agency. So, you know, we, I think the Cubs team is one that, you know, we, we looked at the additions and subtractions in Milwaukee with the Cubs. You're talking about adding Dansby Swanson, getting Trey Mancini out there, hoping for a bounce back season from Cody Bellinger. So 
you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the Cubs can surprise some people, you know, like I said, when, when I look at the, and, and I know Tim, as a former player, you, you're going to roll your eyes at Pocota projections or all that stuff, or just what the analysis have to say, but I think the Cubs are going to look better than what a lot of people think, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's um, some of the pieces that they have, uh, they're good. And I mean, Dansby is going to do what, you know, he's been doing probably excel even more just being at Wrigley. And then some of the other places that he's going to play, um, I was former teammates with Patrick Wisdom. I love that guy. <laughs> He's just an amazing, no-nonsense, make-a-mistake-I'll-punish-it-in-the-street kind of guy. Um, you know, whether he's playing third or playing outfield, right field. Um, but I'm really interested in Trey Mancini. I mean, just uh, he's a proven player. Um, and, and Wrigley's tough to conquer early on. So it's, it's really fun to see, like, how that's going to play. And then is it Madrigal? They're going to be the opening day third baseman? Well, that's that what the question. They're looking at a couple different things, and they're looking at using three guys. They picked up Edwin Rios from the Dodgers, mm -hmm. and then uh, so Patrick Wisdom will go against lefties, and then they would have Rios go against righties. And then with Magical, what they're thinking is if you got a guy that has good swing and miss stuff, say a Corbin Burns, a guy that doesn't, you know, then you'd probably try to get some guy with contact, and that's where Magical would come in. Okay, I really like Magical over there. Like I, I think. If they were to put him at third and just let him play all season long, I think they would probably get something very special in return. So maybe I kind of hope they don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but you can just tell as a player, you watch a guy and you're like, man, he he's working really hard at third base to conquer it. He's made some outstanding plays. He's learned a lot this spring. Like I said, all I do is watch games on TV. Um, and, and to me, that would be the easy case. But I know that, you know, let's play matchups and all that. Um, and it would be tough if you're Madrigal going, oh, I get – I get to face the Cy Youngs <laughs> in the rotation every time. Yeah, gee, thanks. Um, I think he's done too well, and I think he's at a good spot that um, it would be a disservice if he's not in there every day. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm just some bearded wash-up, you know, watching on TV. <laughs> well, here's what I'm going to tell you, Tim. It, it, Tim. You know, the Brewers joined the NL Central in 98, but the first time I remember you guys getting on our nerves was that 2008 <laughs> season. And you were, you were on that team and, uh, and then that was, you got CeCe Zabathia, we got Rich Harden and it, and, and you guys were able to get into the playoffs, I think on the last day of the season on a Sunday against the, against the Cubs. And uh, you know, you were the young guy, but, but Craig Council was on that team and he was the old veteran, right? Did you know back then that he was going to be such a good manager because people kind of give me a hard time, but I, in my opinion, in the NL central, I mean, I think David Ross is a really good manager. I still think, you know, he's, you know, learning but i think that craig council is really overlooked sometimes as far as what he does as a manager i think so too um and yes you know being his teammate for several years he just had that way about him he didn't put up with anything you know if somebody was doing something out of line um and i got several stories that you know just witnessing and not being mean but you know going to somebody and be like hey uh you're not going to take batting practice and there'll be a young kid like oh batting practice is optional and council's like not for you, <laughs> you know, like you're trying to get your feet wet and you're going to just take the option on batting. Like just stuff like that. Like he could always see the big picture. Um, and he'd been in so many big games, world series. And so, um, yeah, I think you, I could always see him being a manager, a personal note for me, I got traded or I got uh switch sidearm from, uh, over the top to sidearm in 2010. And I just asked him in the outfield one day in spring training, uh, just kind of went out to him. We were shagging in left field. And I said, uh, what would you say, say to, how would you bat against a guy, a righty throwing sidearm? Because 
it's a different look. It's a different thing. I have to figure out how do I pitch a lefty, especially a proven lefty on a guy that has, for my opinion, has seen every kind of pitcher there can be lefty and righty. So that was my go-to and he gave me a lot of good pointers. So even, even when he was still a player, he was coaching. So it was just a matter of time, but I think it's a disservice that, you know, you, you have the universal DH because there was so much in the national league on all the things you could do as far as substituting and bunting and situational hitting that Craig council has just a, I mean, he just, that part of his brain works and the way he can get the most out of everybody during a game um, that now that every, you know, the DH is everywhere. It's kind of like, I don't know. You've seen the movie little big league. They have a kid that's managing in the big leagues, right? They have the <laughs> DH. How hard could it be? Well, j- just just a little fact for you: the mother in that movie, Little Big League. Yeah, I did know this. Yeah, that, that that's our uh, top prospects' mom. She's an actor. That's Pete Crow Armstrong's mom that was in Little Big League. So, you know, hey, it it all comes around. But Tim, I really appreciate you jumping on and giving us your perspective on the Brewers. Sure. You know, the I ninety four rivalry is always always a fun one, and, and I, I'll make a few trips up to. AmFam, aka Miller Park, and and hopefully you'll be able to maybe you know stop by Wrigley and and come check out what we got going on, and uh, hopefully we have a good season for both teams. Yeah, I don't know if I can make it to Wrigley. I think I'm going to be doing the pre and post uh, from our studio in Milwaukee for all of those games. But if you're at AmFam, let me know because you know once I'm done with the pregame show, all I do is just kind of hang out. So maybe we can share a pretzel. Never know. Sounds good, Tim. I appreciate it, and you take care <laughs> and have a good season. Yep. Thank you. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.